Carlos Carrasco has been shut down, but Mike Clevenger is making progress in his bid to return from knee surgery. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, March 12th. Derek Van Riper here with Michael Beller. Carlos Carrasco will be shut down for a few days after receiving an injection in his right elbow. An MRI confirmed the previous diagnosis of inflammation. Opening day is looking like a long shot at this point, but how are you handling Carrasco given the particularly complex nature of his injuries this spring? He had the hip injury a few weeks ago, of course and his extensive health history overall. I mean, everyone remembers Carlos Carrasco last season uh, was sidelined while battling leukemia. Prior to that, there were other injuries on the ledger within the last five seasons as well. Uh, He's a guy that I'm rooting for, Michael, but I'm just having a difficult time drafting him with confidence right now, given the physical ailments he's been dealing with all spring. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. You can basically copy and paste what you said and apply it to the way I feel because he's a guy who I've always liked. He's a guy who certainly everyone should be rooting for given uh, not, it's not just the baseball physical injuries that he's coming back from, but the, the sickness as well. So it's great to see him uh, have that behind him and, and be able to play and be able to uh, play at a high level. And that's what he was able to do last year when he came back for the Indians and something he's pretty much always been able to do when he's been healthy. But um, there's just too many injuries here, um, you know, too many injuries to various parts of his body and it starts to add up and you know we're not talking about a youngster really either Carlos Carrasco may be a little bit older than people realize just because it took him a while to uh, not only get his footing as a a regular starting pitcher and bounce back and forth between rotation and uh, the bullpen at the early part of his career but then also establish himself as a go-to guy who could maybe be a legitimate ace so uh, you add that all together and it becomes hard to trust him. I do think that ultimately we'll start to see a discount on him, especially if this injury uh, is something that looks like it's going to drag on into the season. Uh, but it would have to be a pretty extreme discount for me to have a lot of confidence in taking him, even understanding what he can be when he is healthy. Yeah, 125 has been the ADP in NFBC drafts since the start of March. So probably a fair price, but kind of like we've talked about with a lot of the injured players on this show throughout draft season you kind of get one shot. You get one injured player, and that's about all you can do risk-wise because injuries are going to find you later, so you can only take on one known injury risk, and you got plenty to choose from this spring, unfortunately. Uh, Now, the good news for Cleveland, Mike Clevenger threw a bullpen session on Monday, and he felt good enough to do the same thing on Wednesday. Haven't heard yet just how he responded to the second session in three days, but the good news here is that Clevenger had told Mandy Bell of MLB.com that he wasn't experiencing any soreness after the first session this week. With Clevenger, I think knowing the extent of the injury and given that it wasn't elbow or shoulder, it was knee surgery, I've been a little bit more optimistic. Like I think he's on the short list of injured players who I'd actually consider drafting early on because even if he misses three or four starts when the season begins, I think you are getting a pretty clear top 10 starting pitcher skills-wise. Right now, the ADP sits just inside the top 40 Overall, what's your confidence level in Clevenger as he continues to make progress back from surgery? 
Yeah, I'm with you here as well. Um, a guy who I really didn't ding at all for the injury, even when it first happened, just because it sounded like it wasn't going to be something that would drag too far into the season. If it did drag into the season at all, you mentioned the fact that it's a knee injury. So something that, um, you know, you don't want to see any injury to a pitcher and it doesn't matter if it's back leg, front leg, you know, plant and push leg or landing leg. Neither of them is a good thing, uh, but it, it's still something that uh, you feel pretty comfortable with a pitcher that once he's over it and back from it, that it's not something that's going to hinder him. It's not something where uh, his innings are going to have to be limited uh, or he's going to have to, you know, watch the way that he throws his stuff. Once a pitcher's back from a leg injury, I feel like we can feel pretty confident that he is the guy who he was before the injury. So Clevenger's a guy who I have been aggressive on uh, this draft season. I think that we can expect him to be that top 10 guy. And as you said, the top 10 stuff is undeniable. You go back to uh, uh, what he did in 2018, what he did sandwiched around the injury last year. I mean, this is a guy who uh, really uh, not only uh, has pitched like a top 10 starter, just has the look of a top 10 starter, has the stuff of a top 10 starter. So I think that Mike Clevenger, again, comes into this season as someone who we should be expecting to be a top 10 pitcher. And I'll tell you what, Derek, if you put me up uh, with his ADP against his teammate Shane Bieber's, I will take Clevenger 10 times out of 10. To be perfectly honest, I'd rather have Clevenger than Bieber, even if cost were equal. And that's not really a knock on Bieber. It's just what I believe uh, in Clevenger, that he really is one of the very best pitchers in Major League Baseball, something we could take to the bank. I do have a follow-up question, though. I mean, even though that's not a knock on Bieber at all, it's really just more praise for Clevenger. But do you look at Bieber as a guy who kind of maxed out last season no one expected him to reach that level in the prospect community you know 214 in the third innings 328 era 105 whip 259 strikeouts this is a guy who put up great minor league numbers and the question i think about bieber in prospect communities coming up uh, was just that he didn't necessarily have the stuff to be more than a mid-rotation innings eater and I think he he proved the skeptics wrong last year. I mean, command's always been his strength. He absolutely has that. Uh, do you see Bieber being able to sustain what he did in 2019 or a level close to it? Or do you see him as a lock to kind of come down a bit from where he was a year ago? I would bet more in the latter. I'm not going to say it's a lock for him to come down because, you know, that was his first full major league season and he he totally looked the part. And if you go back to what he did in 2018 uh, across 19 starts, the ERA was in the mid fours, but uh, FIP and XFIP, both a full run less than that. So the signs were there, also struck out more than a batter per inning in those uh, 19 starts, 20 appearances he made in 2018. So the signs were there and they've always been there since he's been a major league guy that that could be the type of pitcher uh, that he would be. I would say the reason why I would say that he it feels more likely that he comes down from that is I do think you're right that last year was likely the max and if, I mean that being anyone's max is no problem but it doesn't feel like there's another gear to Shane Bieber the way that it that it does feel with other pitchers who are about his age or other pitchers before him who are on their way up it feels like last year was the 100% of what he could do because of what his prospect profile was uh, maybe he can sustain that uh, consistently but I feel like he has to come down from that. Now, even if he is 90% this year of what he was last year, that's still a damn good pitcher. That's still someone who you're going to be pretty happy having as your SP1. It just might not match up to what you're having to pay for him in drafts and auctions this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the projections in general are kind of regressing him down a little bit, but it is more like 90% of what he did last year. That's a really nice floor if that's, in fact, what Shane Bieber is going to bring to the table here in 2020. Let's stay in the AL Central Adalberto Mondesi still hasn't played in a Cactus League game as he continues to move through the final stages of recovery from surgery to repair a torn labrum in his shoulder. 
The price on Mondesi is still pretty steep when you factor in the magnitude of the injury. He is making progress, however, despite the lack of appearances in games. Are you comfortable taking the chance on him around that top 40 overall pick? I mean, that's what it's taking right now in NFBC drafts. And if he were totally healthy, he'd probably be going 15 or 20 spots earlier because of the stolen base potential. Is that enough of a discount on Edelberto Mondesi? I don't think so, DVR. And it's because of, I, I don't think we can be totally sure of what the stolen base potential is for him coming into the season because of the shoulder injury, right? I mean, do the Royals ask him to run less because of that shoulder? I think it's certainly something that needs to be weighed. Uh, maybe uh, they that he and they prove me totally wrong. That's that's definitely a possibility, and that uh, right from the moment he's in the majors, he's run, run, run. But you know, we've seen a lot of guys get injured, uh, upper body injuries, when they slide. It's because guys can't necessarily turn off uh, the headfirst slide. It's something that you wish you could control completely, but no one can control that completely. And we've seen guys hurt wrists, hurt shoulders by jamming uh, themselves into the base. Chris Bryant did it a couple of years ago, hurt his shoulder uh, on his headfirst slide where he just jammed uh, his arm into the base too hard and you know was uh, never really the same guy the rest of that season because of the shoulder injury. So it wouldn't surprise me if Mondesi ran less, at least when he first is back. And then if he's running less, uh, then you really do get to a point where the rates become a major risk uh, on top of that, right? We're really paying for the steals out of Mondesi. But if those aren't the elite level that, we saw, that we've seen from him, that we expect from him, expect from someone from his skill set, then the rest of the profile uh, is nowhere near enough to make up for a lack of steals. So that is enough for me to stay away from him at that cost. I, this is another one of those situations, uh, like we talked about with Max Scherzer, where if you're in at this cost, I don't think you're crazy. I could totally see the argument for it. I understand the argument for it. It's just not one that is going to win me over to his side. No, and I think if you're, you're chasing high steals potential in that range, you know Jonathan VR has an offensive profile that is actually pretty similar. And I, I think VR has plenty of real-life flaws that could ultimately cost him playing time, but I would at least take the healthy of the two players, lean on VR, and, and hope that the, the playing time holds up all season. Obviously, the outlook looks good there. They can move him around. He's, he's got eligibility at two infield positions already. He's probably going to pick up outfield eligibility at some point as well. So I think you can kind of accomplish the same goal by taking a, a more seasoned player with a very similar profile, but albeit one that includes more walks. I mean, I think you could see Jonathan Villar actually get on base a bit more than Adalberto Mondesi this season. Paul Goldschmidt will be out at least a couple of days with a sore elbow. At this point, is this similar to the Max Scherzer situation that we discussed on Wednesday's show where you're taking more of a wait-and-see approach, or is this enough for you to go ahead and downgrade him given the cost on Goldie. Yeah, more wait and see for me. And Goldschmidt's been one of my favorite targets uh, this season, right? I mean, we talk about him you know, falling off, right? Falling off uh, in his first year with St. Louis than uh, what he was uh, in Arizona. And even you can go back to a couple of years in Arizona, people saying that this is a guy who is you know, not quite the elite level of first baseman that he was previously in his career. And I understand that he's not really stealing bases anymore. And there's certainly something to the fact uh, of how valuable he was when he was stealing uh, 
double-digit basis, 32 in 2016, 21 in 2015, even 18 in 2017. But still, I mean, he had 34 homers last year. He nearly drove in and scored 100 runs, a 260 batting average. Not great, but not something that's going to kill you. A 346 OBP, uh, a little bit of a boost if you're in an OBP league. I mean, this is still someone who is a very productive player. He's going to fill up the counting stats. Uh, and so uh, he's been one of my favorite guys to go after because – it's like these guys who are elite players at some point in their career and then become, you know, just all-star level like has happened to Goldschmidt pay a little bit of a tax, it seems, in the fantasy community because they're not at that elite level anymore. But uh, if you were on the upswing and he were becoming an all-star, I feel like he'd be getting taken a round and a half or two rounds earlier than he is. So I'm not too worried about this injury. I'm still going to be going after him aggressively in drafts and auctions that I have. Uh, If it ends up costing me, then it ends up costing me. But I think that this is an opportunity to buy in on a guy who really is unfairly priced in your favor if you go after him. Yeah, I like Goldie this year. I like Anthony Rizzo. Similar price on Rizzo. I think Jose Abreu is also solid in that range in part because the White Sox have done a lot to improve their lineup. Uh, To that end, Edwin Encarnacion is dealing with a sore hip. He is scheduled to resume swinging on Friday, and he's expected to be okay for opening day, according to James Fegan from The Athletic. Edwin Encarnacion is interesting to me, though, because he blocks Andrew Vaughn from possibly getting called up later this season, assuming that both he and Jose Abreu remain healthy, um, but this is obviously a short-term deal, and Encarnacion is cheap right now. I mean, there's a little more batting average downside with him than with the first base options we were just talking about, but the ADP since March 1st is 160 for Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, do you like him as a steady corner option as you look at the middle round options? Love him, DVR. I love Edwin Encarnacion this season. I'm pretty sure. I, there are a lot of first basemen I, I like that I'm willing to go after this year, even though it's a shallow position. But I'm pretty sure that when we did our first base roundtable uh, and the question was who's the who, you know, who's the guy you're going to own the most based on ADP, uh, Encarnacion was my answer. I mean, the power is for sure. And in an OBP league, uh, you don't even pay a tax. Uh, Obviously, batting average league, you're going to pay a little bit for it. But OBP leagues, you don't at all. You mentioned the upgrades that the White Sox have made to their lineup. I mean, he's going to be out there every single time he's in the lineup. He's going to have Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, uh, Jose Abreu hitting in front of him, Eloy Jimenez hitting right behind him. I mean, there is a lot of RBI and run scoring potential really for the first six or seven guys in this lineup because Monty Grandal didn't even mention him. He's probably their cleanup man uh, whenever he's in the lineup. I mean, you have a lot of potential if you're Edwin Encarnacion hitting right in the middle of this White Sox lineup. So, I mean, I, I, I like this lineup top to bottom. I mean, this is a team we talk about this more in football than we do in baseball, just investing in good situations wherever you can. But the White Sox are one of those teams uh, that I want to find some sort of investment in because I think they're going to score a ton of runs. We know the way that ballpark plays when it gets hot in the summer. Uh, I really like this offense a lot. And Encarnacion coming so cheap. If you do miss out on those big-time first-base options, I'm avoiding the middle and just waiting to get Encarnacion where I can because I really think that he's one of the most underpriced guys regardless of position this season. Yeah, I kind of think he's a cheaper version of Carlos Santana. Low average, good OBP, big power, nice run production. Uh, getting him you know, outside the top 150 overall in most drafts is a very, very fair price. A couple of Yankees to update. Giancarlo Stanton took live batting practice on Wednesday. On Thursday, he's scheduled to begin running, so we'll see how that goes. Even though opening day seems unlikely for him, it may not be long after the season begins before he's ready to play. And then Yankees pitcher James Paxton resumed playing catch on Wednesday. The best case scenario for him continues to be a mid-May return, but the good news here, aside from the progress, is that he didn't report any back pain after the session. 
Our featured read today comes from Andrew Baggerly of The Athletic. It's entitled Like a Ghost, Barry Bonds Comes to Terms with His Legacy in a Changing Sport. And I think of the articles I've seen go up on The Athletic in the last month or so, I think that one was probably the most widely enjoyed by the other baseball writers. You can tell when the baseball writers as a group get behind a piece that it's going to be really good. It always makes me more excited to read it when I see uh, several of the other beat writers out there you know, sharing it and commenting on it. That is going to wrap things up for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything we do is included with a subscription. If you are enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave us a rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Derek Van Riper. We're back with you on Friday. <laughs>